This meeting is being recorded. I loved that album. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I think it was one, I think it was my first album I ever purchased from HMV. <laughs> it was. I did my homework. I did my homework, did my homework on that. Oh. I really did. Um, yes, I did my homework. I uh, I looked uh, did a little back search there, found oh. out that that was the first album you ever produced, you ever bought. Um, and uh, as I was scrolling through, one of your one of your favorite songs off that was Sunday Morning. Yeah. But um, I elected to go with that song because i that's just a little kick-ass for this morning so also, uh, i want to start with a little quote you can do this because you're the answer to everything in this life it all begins by finally taking ownership of your life the good and the bad the tragedies the highs and the lows it's all yours good day everybody this is steve callahan in episode 89 of one life limit podcast and i am with i am blessed to be with uh longtime friend shannon buck Shannon, thank you so much. Hi. <laughs> it's nice we, to be here. Thank you. Um, they say the smile is the window to the soul, and uh, your smile is absolutely beautiful. Um, we are so thankful to be able to see it. And um, I just want to tell you a little bit about Shannon. Um, Shannon is a dog mom. Boy, do we ever have that in common. Um, an artist and a self-proclaimed forever student. I actually have a special name for you later. I want to make sure I share that with you. As I was kind of uh, absolutely doing some research, uh, not research, um, but I, uh, a word came to my mind that I thought was, was pretty beautiful. Uh, Self-proclaimed forever student. She loves spending time in nature as well as uh, using pieces of nature in the art she creates. She teaches yoga, guides, meditation, and she enjoys her life proudly sober from the too often normalized grip of alcohol. Shannon also began public speaking to spread awareness about fetal alcohol spectrum syndrome, or FASD, which she was diagnosed with recently in her early 30s. Therapy and the diagnostic process helped open doors in her life so she could thrive rather than just survive, which ultimately helped Shannon want to heal and live a better life. Shannon believes in compassionate, non-judgmental education about FASD, um, about FASD can, and she will continue to heal out loud to other, a beacon of hope to anyone who may be suffering in silence. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. No, oh, it sounds so nice when you read it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I've been often asked, are you really from Newfoundland? Um, so, <laughs> uh, I'm incredibly blessed for you to be here today. I have said so many times that I want this podcast to be a canvas for people uh, that have the bravery to step up, uh, the, the ability to be transparent, uh, vulnerable, uh, share their stories, um, and to be what I call life nudges, nudgers and global warriors. And uh, you are that. Um, I would love for you to share any part of your journey and your story uh, uh, today. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful that you invited me. Thank you, Steve. Um, I would love to, yeah, I would love to tell your viewers um, just like what FASD is for anybody that um, didn't catch that. And I also would like to start with a quote. Um, my quote is by Maya Angelou. And I heard it in a yoga class probably five to six years ago. And she says, always do the best you can until you know better. When you know better, do better. 
And I just think it's so simple and so beautiful. Um, so yeah, I wanted to start with that because we're all just out here trying to do our best. We are absolutely, yeah. So yeah, so before I get into some of the earlier details of my life, I'll just explain FASD here for the listeners. Um, so fetal alcohol spectrum disorder means that there was alcohol consumed while I was in the womb. Um, so my brain and my body developed a little bit differently than others. Um, it is a spectrum, so it looks different for every person. Um, one of the things that you'll see a lot on camera is me moving. I can't stay still. Um, I'm constantly like, like you know, fidget toys are, are really helpful. Um, so I'll be moving a lot. And that's just a thing that I've, I've had to get used to. Um, I used to focus so much on trying to stay still that I would not know what we were like doing in class or like what was happening in front of me because I was just trying to keep my body still. So, um, and I'm, I'm quite impulsive. Uh, I'm very sensitive to outside stimulus, like smells, tags on my clothing, um, sirens. If I'm like out walking the dog, um, more prone to rumination, which is just like constant thinking, um, addiction, anxiety, depression, among other things. Um, but I'm also really charismatic and bubbly, and sometimes I'd even dare to say extroverted. Um, so it went missed for a really long time. So we'll be talking about, or I'll be talking about that today, about how it's often misdiagnosed as autism and ADHD. I think that's... Uh incredible insight because the awareness is a big thing and even just listening just now and some of these i'm sure so many people can relate to um but just mentioning the tag on a clothing mm. and and little things like that that we may not uh realize you know is affecting us and it's just that one little aspect um again thank you so much please the tag on the clothing was big for me i i when i was a kid i didn't I didn't comprehend that I could just take the tag off of the clothing. Um, for some reason, that was like a rule I couldn't break. And so I would choose my clothes based on like what tags would touch my skin and, and where they were on the clothing. But now I just like I buy something and I immediately rip off all of the tags inside. <laughs> so the other thing about my story is that it's common, which is um, really unfortunate. Um, I came from the average household. Um, it, in many ways, was actually more privileged, more privileged than most households. Mm -hmm. um, we had one parent absent uh, due to work, and he was away a lot. And then the other parent physically present, um, but it wasn't a stable environment. There was lots of fighting, um, criticism, pressure, emotional immaturity uh, displayed by adults a lot. Um, and the adults in, in my life were fighting their own demons. They didn't have the coping skills for that. So it wasn't uncommon for us to see adults like heavily indulging in, in substances. We, we grew up with substances around us. Um, because my FASD diagnosis came later, so more recently in my early 30s is when I was diagnosed, I now have this lens with which I can look back on my life that I didn't have access to before. And like, it's almost like, I, I literally think of it like putting on a pair of glasses. Like if I could have a pair of glasses that was a window into FASD life, it's like I put them on and I'm like, oh, now my past makes sense. Um, so I, I can see how I really easily followed in those footsteps in front of me and um, mental health became something that I struggled with like immediately from an early age, constantly like seeing counselors and going to different therapists. Um, I made lots of bad decisions. <laughs> and the combination of, of like, I mean, I started drinking at age 12, um, smoking as well. And then like weed was introduced soon after that. By 30, I was fronting as like a super fun, bubbly yoga teacher. And then I like on the side really liked to party. And then secretly I was battling addiction with cocaine, alcohol. I was hanging out in places that didn't support my growth. I was in bankruptcy. Preaching things in my classes that I wasn't living in my life. 
And I felt like such an imposter. I yeah. can only imagine the feelings of that. Uh, I think a lot of times that, and I know that we may touch on this uh, a little later, but I think so many times that we're wearing different masks, um, we're trying to survive, uh, we're in the moment. Um, you know, we are, you know, we may be in environments that we've kind of been nudged into and we may not feel good about being there. So we either put on a particular mask, maybe it's in a group of people, you know, for me and maybe in a male world, uh, athletic wise, where we're a certain mask just to kind of, uh, stay there within a, you know, to, to, to be in the aspect to pull on to that. We are tribal by nature. Um, but I can only imagine the difficulty when you are trying to navigate through those things in your life, yet also trying to portray something that we, may not be in that moment it may be something that you're striving towards but you know being someone of a holistic nature uh may be difficult to portray when you're actually struggling inside i can i can only imagine and then and then the things that we name ourselves in our heads become the truth and so in my head i labeled myself as the yoga teacher with the cocaine addiction like that's just like what i referred to as my head every time i was like heading to a class and I wasn't feeling well because I might have partied too hard the night before. I'd be like, like, who, who am I to be going to teach these people when like I indulged in, in like cocaine last night? Like that mm. seems really wrong. And so there was this big break that was happening within my like self identity. Mm. Um, yeah. So luckily I became sick of my own shit. <laughs> um, and my family went on a, a camping trip one summer and I, I tried to like get out of going, which is like, was normal for me. Um, but my family really encouraged me, particularly my stepmom, um, Karen. And, and I'm so glad that I went because I, I had some time to like dry out as they say. And then all the emotions came up and I was like, all right, family, I am in a, a position with, with money and drugs and, I mean, I don't have any of either anymore because I'm just like so broken um, and I, I needed their help. Um, so I maintained, I maintained sobriety, like obvious, obviously it wasn't easy. And, and I don't just want to be like, so then I got sober um, yeah. because it was very like hard work. But, but that conversation with my parents led me to um, a, a sobriety group where then I felt like understood and less judged. Um, but it was obvious to, to me and my family that like the clarity and the ease of things that we thought would come with getting sober, like wasn't happening. I was still really struggling with some like behind the scenes stuff. So Karen, my, my stepmom or bonus mom, as I would like to call her, um, yeah, it's it's nicer, right? It's nicer yeah. than than step parent, um, especially when they mean so much more to you than like what the idea of step parent gives us in yeah. in our heads, you know. Um, so luckily, Karen has worked with like kids with with ADHD and, and autism and FASD, like as like a specialty in her career with the school board. And so once, once the element of like the drugs and the alcohol was gone and you could sort of see my baseline, Karen was like, Hey, to my dad and was like, you know, is there a chance that that alcohol could have been consumed? So I came from a time when doctors would tell their pregnant patients that it was okay to have a glass of wine. If you were stressed out, it wasn't going to hurt the baby. Um, and that is, it couldn't be farther from the truth. And unfortunately, it's like, it's still a misconception that's being talked about today. Um, I, I literally, like my, my friends are like all at that age now where they're having babies. And, and I hear still that the midwives are like, yep, one, one or two glasses of wine in, in the third trimester won't do anything. And I just wanna be here to say that that's not true. And, oh my gosh, it's, so then we get into like I, I I was writing some notes for this and I and I and I and I want to stop before I get into um, the like I don't want to be like alcohol is bad for your baby and you're a bad mom. That's not what this is. It's not a witch hunt to call out bad parents. No. Um, it's 
a byproduct of our society, unfortunately. Prenatal alcohol exposure, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, byproducts of our society. If we look at the numbers, 80% plus of Canadians drink, 50% plus of pregnancies are unplanned. So let's tackle this together without the shame and the blame piece, right? Let's, let's, um, Gabor Mate has a quote that says, there's no place for blame in healing. And I love that. I love that so much too. I come from a little bit of a different perspective now as well. And I'm quite vocal. And because you're quite vocal, the louder the microphone, the more that's going to come back and uh, at you. And, you know, I've been promoting, um, you know, healthy living. When you promote healthy living, sometimes the conversation of obesity may come up. And that's tough to talk about and tough to deal with because they are somewhat inter interrelated. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, yet I had a heart attack. But it really had nothing to do with it. Yet if I speak about not smoking, I feel like, or not I feel like, but there's, you know, there's some conversation that I may feel like I'm attacking people who may smoke. And I don't. Everybody has their own choices and everybody's body is different as well. Again, it, it's the conversation of really no shame when it comes to healing. And uh, but but the conversations as tough as they are, because we're only getting this one life and some of us are blessed to have two uh, and sometimes three, um, then it gives us, I believe, our, our true purpose as to why we're here to be able to communicate and, and be a vocalist for these things. So, again, thank I you. agree. I totally, totally agree. So so that was kind of what happened. It was. Um, it was a whirlwind. Uh, I couldn't be more grateful for this journey. I I couldn't be more grateful to wake up sober every morning. Um, it is truly a gift. I do not miss the days where I had to peel myself out of my like sweat pooled sheets and my head was pounding and my mouth was dry and my skin felt like dewy and just all of the like dread that comes with like oh my god now I have to go to work or now I have to go meet a friend for lunch or whatever that thing is that you have to go do feeling that way and then those thoughts that hang over you all day like okay I'm not going to drink again tonight but if I want to feel better I should probably have a glass of wine I don't miss that <laughs> I don't miss that um yeah. And for anybody that's out there in that right now and listening, like it is okay. It is okay. You're not a bad person for being there. But now that you know better, let's do better together. Together being the operative word because you cannot do this alone. <clears throat> so I do want to talk about FASD and addiction. Um, I want to be very clear that they don't go hand in hand. Um, when we hear FASD, there's a stigma that comes to mind of a pregnant mother with a bottle in her hand, clearly like not caring that she's holding a baby, right? Um, and we've got to let go of that. We've got to let go of that stigma because it's, it's again, it's just not true. Um, so I'll give you this example here. You're a, a, a woman who, um, someone who identifies as a woman who doesn't drink <clears throat> or someone who's able to get pregnant that doesn't drink but it's christmas time and there's like two christmas parties that or three christmas parties that land in like a two-week period and you go and you have two glasses of wine at one of the christmas parties and then one glass of wine at the other ones and then that's it christmas season is open you're not going to touch wine again until the next year and then february rolls around and you find out that you're three months pregnant you could very well be the best person on the face of the planet and the farthest thing from an addict that you, and I say addict with quotation marks for the, for the non-video <laughs> subscribers. Um, and and um, the damage is done. Mm. And that was incredible. It's okay. It's okay that yes. the damage is done. Gabor Mate says it's not about the trauma that happens because 
that's not something we can stop in this given world that we have. There are little traumas happening all the time. It's what happens after the trauma. It's how we hold each other, how we talk to each other, how we talk to ourselves, what steps we take to try and make that thing right, whether it's going to the police or writing down something that makes sense in your head. So that, yeah. that story was so powerful. I, I could never have imagined that situation where, you know, we, again, we're just trying to live our best life, be social, uh, even just getting out of the home in the moment and not realizing yeah. that we have this beautiful thing that's happening with inside, inside of us. And, and we're just trying to be happy in those moments yeah. and yet could lead to something that uh, could impact so many lives. Um, that just that in just that little insight, um, so beautiful. And again, thank you so much for, for, for sharing that. So absolutely, absolutely. That's it's really important for mothers and people with FASD to know that it's not anyone's fault. And mm -hmm. what happened happened. We cannot go back and change it. What we can do is move forward with the proper tools to support ourselves. Sure. I spent years trying to figure myself out. I really did. Um, in and out of like hospital settings. There's also um, my therapist, Angela Geddes, has like really great information on what FASD costs our healthcare systems before the diagnosis is made. So like how much money was spent in the healthcare system from the time I started seeing counselors when I was 11 or 12 until my diagnosis at 30. I've had a week long stay on a mental health ward. I've seen psychiatrists and hospitals. I've gone to day, day programs at the hospital that are like nine to five, Monday to Friday, three months, like doctor's appointments upon doctor's appointments, uh, prescriptions covered by like disability. All of that money <laughs> is like, I don't want to say a waste because of course I was like, you know, taking the steps to, to figure things out. But, but if FASD was a diagnosis that I got when I was younger, then all of that could have been saved all of that time, all of that effort, all of that money. So some, like some, oh gosh, I was diagnosed with uh, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, depression, anxiety, ADHD, CPTSD, so complex uh, post-traumatic stress. Um, and it's all really damaging to your sense of identity when you have all of these labels, but you don't feel like any of them fit. I have had uh, a couple of journeys uh, of which are, are quite public. And, um, and I, as what I would like to consider a strong male, uh, suffer from PTSD. There are mm -hmm. things that have happened in my life and they are the things that are the smallest. And I'm actually sharing this for the first time uh, with you. So thank you. Well, not just with you, with a lot of people, but with you. Um, and it made it comfortable in the conversation to be able to say that right now in this moment that there are things that I struggle with uh, that are considered and diagnosed as PTSD from things that have happened. Uh, and they are things that if I were to mention them, people would say, that's silly. Um, but it's, it's, it's incredible. Not. It's not, but it's, uh, but, but to the general public, if I was to share those, they would say, that, oh my gosh, that is silly. How, how foolish is that? Of course, the new plan expression, how foolish is that? Um, and, and the reality is uh, they can be quite crippling, shaking. Um, you know, to the sense of, um, you know, not being able to to just even survive that day or feel like you couldn't survive yeah. that day. So, again, thank you. And I, I can't imagine, oh, man, I can't, like, everybody is going through their own mental health struggles. Everybody has a story. Everybody is, is dealing with things. And I think that's the importance, that brings in the importance of the compassion piece. Maybe I don't know what you're going through. Maybe I would deem it foolish, but that doesn't mean that I can't have complete compassion for you and some sort of empathy and try for some sort of understanding, right? That, that non-judgment that we have to greet each other with. Yeah. My FASD diagnosis unlocked something for me. I had this like feeling of brokenness my whole life and and my FASD diagnosis 
I think of it like the Japanese art form of kintsugi, which takes broken pieces of pottery and glues them back together with gold so that mm. it's stronger and more beautiful than ever before. And if I okay. was just pieces on the floor and then my diagnosis of FASD came along, it was the kintsugi that put me back together that has created this like stronger front than ever before. Mm. So I want this to be available to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is beautiful I love that um I love to chat about just a couple statistics yes. um so you probably already know some people in your life with FASD it runs in all of our circles they might not even have their diagnosis themselves but they're out there um about one in 25 people are on the FASD spectrum and like I said, again, it's a spectrum. So it presents really average slash like normal. Again, I'm saying normal in quotation marks because I hate using the word normal because really what does it even mean? But I mean normal that like my teachers didn't see it. My family didn't see it um, because I was like polite and raised to be a good host and put nice. others' needs before my own and be quiet, be seen and not heard. Um, so yeah, it's it's missed. Um, so one in 25 people, that means that it's more popular than cerebral palsy, autism and ADHD put together. Now you've heard of ADHD and autism and cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of FASD before today? Not, I have not. No. Um, I have, I have known of the, uh, you know, the, the diagnosis, the disease, and I don't like to use that word for me personally. Uh, I have heard of those and, and the complications, but I never heard of that yet before today. And again, that's part of the conversation that we've had. Um, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at the little type of things that can, can generate, um, you know, this path for so many. Yeah. And, and so like the fact that it is more, more well-known than those three well-known things put together and nobody knows about it. It's, it's crazy, right? It's, it's very underdiagnosed. It's all, like I said earlier, it's often misdiagnosed as ADHD or as autism. Um, I was just talking to my therapist the other day who was mentioning that um, what's happening right now is multiple kids within the same family are being diagnosed autistic or on the mm -hmm. autism spectrum, which like, isn't, isn't like my, 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 my therapist said like, that's not normal for like more than one person in the, in the family to be diagnosed with autism. Um, in which case it's probably likely FASD. And we don't like, our doctors are afraid to give that that diagnosis because because it comes with the stigma and and then moms are like no i didn't i did not you know even my mom wouldn't admit to it at first until i explained to her that that it could be just those few glasses of wine in the first trimester right. and that i wasn't mad at her and that it wasn't her fault and that I didn't feel shame around her drinking and that I just wanted to heal. So, so obviously I keep going back to that piece. It's, it's a pretty important piece. Um, I think for this story is the compassion. So, um, so yeah, underdiagnosed, the only way to ensure that your child will not have prenatal alcohol exposure or FASD is to not drink for the duration of your pregnancy. And that means that once you've decided that you're going to conceive, that you stop drinking any alcohol. Um, that means that if there is a chance you can become pregnant, like if, if you and your partner are just like, when it happens, it happens that's great but what about when you don't find out you're pregnant for a month and then you've already been to three parties so this is something that hasn't been talked about enough um it's not getting enough attention in the media 
Um, alcohol is so normalized. It's crazy. How many people do you hear that are like, we went to Mexico and got totally wasted. And then when I came back out, I found I was pregnant and okay, the damage is done again, no judgment, but let's educate folks. So they know the true risks of drinking when they are drinking. People don't realize that alcohol stays in your system for up to 80 hours. That's three days. Three days I've heard that and it's amazing. For me, I, I, I'm not an active drinker right now uh, at any point in my life. And it's just because for me, I didn't want to miss the next day. Tomorrow was a, is a blessing and to have an extra day, I didn't want to miss it. I didn't want to sleep around. And again, this is a non-judgmental conversation. But again, being the awareness, the more we are aware, the more that we bring life to our uh, to everyone around us and to have alcohol in your system up to 80 hours before it actually, you know, flushes out. It's uh, just realizing that is so powerful. So actually when we consume alcohol, our livers are not able to break it down in the format that we ingest it. So it, mm -hmm does this process to turn it into a different chemical that it can process in that process. It creates a byproduct that's worse for us than alcohol. And that never breaks down. So cancer. Um, and I mean, we can do a whole different podcast about alcohol. I don't think this is going to be our only one. No. And, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to say here that I'm preaching, like everybody has to go out and get sober. Um, because I, again, I like that might not be realistic for you and that's okay. Um, what matters is that we have the knowledge to make the educated decisions ourselves, um, which is like a big piece that I feel like wasn't given to me. I, I started consuming alcohol from a young age. I didn't know the damages. It's not on every bottle like it is on every cigarette package. Um, again, different podcasts. I'll talk quickly about the shame piece that comes with mm -hmm. it. Um, Shame is a barrier to healing. Uh, shame and anger, I think, often go together. Um, I pretty much just believed that I was a terrible person who deserved terrible things, um, which also really puts you in a victim mindset. And like a Shannon, what was that moment, just that moment. Shame puts you in a place where you believe you deserve terrible things. Mm -hmm. Wow. Can you mm -hmm. touch on that a little? Oh my God. I basically, I basically just like things were happening in my life. And this, like, I guess like my higher self, my higher power, like I would have a voice in my head that was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you at this person's house this at this hour? And, and then, and then another voice being like, well, what else do you have? This, this is your life. This is what you've built. This is for you. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long time to change my mindset, to change those neural pathways in my brain to show me that I matter and that my life matters. Um, because I never saw a future for myself before when I was in addiction, like in active addiction. Um, I know I actually never really saw my life past like my mid thirties. Like I just assumed I would die of an overdose or suicide, which is like, I've tried that before. Um, and so through this diagnostic process that has completely gone away. I don't have a voice in my head every morning that's telling me I would be better off dead and that nobody would miss me. That's crazy. And that is the kind of peace that I wish for everybody, every human. Yeah. And it needs to be accessible to everybody for free. Another podcast is, is all about how it should be free. <laughs> this won't be our last. <laughs> so, but like, 
being in that victim mindset, I was miserable all the time. Um, I noticed that like me being miserable was like starting to affect the people around me. I noticed that my behavior was starting to hurt people around me. Um, and so like with the piece of like FASD, so I was now starting to understand my brain, why I had made the choices that I had taking responsibility for my actions. And then, and then learning also that like, I'm leaving people not better than I found them. And then deciding that that's how I wanted to be was a person who leaves people better than they found them. And that I wanted to be able to like go to my family events and have the capacity to play with my niece and nephew and not be um, in sensory overload, which means that I have to take care of myself before I go visit my niece and nephew, which means that I need to be well rested, which means that I cannot consume alcohol or drugs because I have to take care of myself, which means that my values change, which means that my, like everything changed. Everything. Brene Brown has this great exercise. Um, if you just typed it in like Google, Brene Brown plus values exercise, there's like a list of like 50 or more values. And she says that everybody has like two core values mm -hmm. and all of your life and values and morals is built off those two core things that you find very important. Um, I don't remember the second one, but I remember one of mine was patience. And I would not have considered myself a patient person before this process. Um, I, I hated waiting <laughs> for anything. And I would just like see red when when I was in an environment that didn't like appease me. Um, and so, yeah, pa like doing exercises like that. And then I'm like, okay, so patience is something that I value. How do I cultivate patience? And it was a, it was a constant learning. Um, yeah. Constant learning. I just recently went through that as well. And, uh, and in going through a coaching program, uh, we analyzed my, five life values and when you come out of that i actually recognized that i didn't want to do this coaching anymore it wasn't important to me and not only that it was also looking around at the little things that were bothering me the people that were bothering me the conversations that were bothering me were not in line with my life values and they became less disruptive to me when i recognized what was truly important and one of them was family which meant um you know i wanted to maintain those uh, that, the relationship with my kids, my parents, um, all those that were, uh, you know, that were important to me at this point in my life. Um, the things that were, you know, uh, were disruptive to me six years ago are not the same things that are, again, aligned with who I am today because we change and we evolve and, you know, we certainly become different versions of ourselves and hopefully the best versions of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. So I think that's, um, oh, I guess I'll just say here that, um, so my journey has been really, so I was just looking at some notes. Uh, my journey has been incredibly privileged. I um, came from like a, a middle-class suburbs. Um, we always had food on the table. Um, and while there was like a lot of like emotional turmoil, um, we always had what we needed in terms of material things. Yes. Um, and uh, my folks, my not my birth mother, but my my dad and my bonus mom, um, they've worked in incredibly hard at their careers, um, and they've been able to like s supplement my income um, so that I could just like rely mostly on disability income and not have to work over these last two years while I got sober and while I did this work. Um, I personally could not have balanced a job with this healing work. I think this healing work is a full-time job. So I'm, I recognize the incredible privilege that I was afforded to be able to take that time off when so many people have to do both. Um, I think that speaks to a broken system, which I believe is, is a whole other podcast about how 
this stuff needs to be more accessible to people. I, I won't get um, too much into that, but I do recognize that privilege has gotten me to where I am, um, which is why I have chosen to heal out loud, right? So, so that any person who's out there that isn't as supported as I am, maybe I can um, not personally support them, but like put them in the right direction, or maybe this podcast will just inspire them to, to look something up, to know that they can do it too. Um, I know that FASD is, is, uh, more diagnosed in black communities, um, and, uh, has been, um, gosh, I had a quote around here somewhere, um, um, said that uh, it is an epidemic in black communities. Um, so there's a lot of work to be done here around FASD. Um, what's most important is that there's no blame, there's no shame, and that we can heal. We, we absolutely can heal from this. I am enjoying a full life. I'm starting a business now, two businesses. I find joy. I have people around me that I care about, that care for me, that we have good connections. There's no drama. There's no fighting. My life is calm. As as you and I talked about yesterday, my life is boring and it's perfect yes. that way. It's perfect that way. I love having that conversation of um, uh, life is really good when it's really boring. I love yeah. that and, and, and uh, because it's so true. I think that so many people hang on to their story um, because it be, may be that excitement in the moment that they want to continue to share, yet it's really good when it's really boring. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you shared, um, that you're healing out loud, healing mm. out loud. Um, I hope people can hear that today. I hope they can hear that message uh, that you shared, that, that you are healing out loud, that there is no shame um, in, in the, the transparency and the vulnerability that I think and I believe uh, that we are blessed to hear from you today. Um, the vulnerability to look inside so that we can look outside. Um, and I think that's kind of, um, you know, where your journey's to is that you were able to look inside. So now that you can look outside and as you said, put the glasses on to be able to see things from a whole different perspective. Um, you are a hero, a heroic, um, because uh, I believe there's, I don't believe life is meant for us to finish to show up at the finish line alone. I think it's meant to take people with us and to kind of walk side by side, never in front and never behind, but side by side. And, and uh, I truly believe uh, that uh, that is you. I have been inspired in the short conversations we've had, and I hope that there are many more to come, um, but I have been inspired. I truly have. And I have no doubt that people that will hear this today will, will certainly feel the same way as well. Thank you so much for inviting me and offering me a space to share this. And you're not getting away just yet. <laughs> uh, oh, I've got some uh, little questions and we're just going to have some fun. Did I go over these questions with you prior to us coming on? No. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. So uh, let them go right from the heart to them. Don't put any thought into them. These are just a little bit of fun, maybe a little bit of insight. Um, and I'll start off with a banger. So what's don't one idea? Know, don't you know that people with FASD don't like surprises? <laughs> I'm uh, kidding. You know, <laughs> but you can tell me after the next 10 questions. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> what's one idea you think we could implement today that would make life just a little more easy? Uh, free food and shelter for everybody. Love it. Beautiful. Beautiful. If you find yourself stuck, how do you motivate yourself to continue? I keep a list in my phone called for when it's hard. And I actually posted it on Instagram. So if anybody's listening, my Instagram handle is at joy with Shannon. And uh, it's like uh, maybe a few posts down. Um, mm -hmm. but I was having a hard day and I, I've created this list over the past couple of years and it says things like, um, uh, like some quotes that really helped me or some other hard moments that I've gotten through with ease. Um, so I, I, I look at that document like a lot. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. 
Um, on a scale of one to 10, how weird are you? Oh my God, like a 37. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll leave this one here, but how would you describe yourself in one word? Just let it flow, one word. Determined. Mm. What is your superpower? I'm resourceful. I think that's a great superpower. It is. Uh, what is your kryptonite? <laughs> um. <laughs> the good ones. The good ones. Right. I mean, right now it's food. So, like, um, yeah. you know, addiction. Uh, yeah. Addiction is not about a substance. It's not like, sure, my substance of choice was alcohol and cocaine, but. Um, it very much transferred over to food. Um, so I still, I still get help for disordered eating. Um, it's still very much a, a serious thing. Um, but it is like harm reduction and, uh, I'm getting help for it. And it's another thing that's okay if that is something you're struggling with. Um, but I would say food is my kryptonite. Yep. Mine too. I love a Mars bar and a tin of pineapple crush. Tin. I I just don't understand how anybody likes pineapple. I was not blessed with genes to enjoy it. So that sounds so gross. (laughs) Um, Do you have a favorite movie? Hmm. I I just watched... um, the new Wakanda movie, Wakanda Forever. Um, uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of Marvel movies, so like the Marvel mm-hmm. action movies, especially any like female superheroes, um, they really get me going. <laughs> All right, perfect, great answer. Because who would play you in a movie? Ooh. <laughs> uh, Brie Larson. She played um, she played Captain uh, Captain. Um, oh my God. Not Captain America, but the the female. I can't think of it now. Yeah, yeah. Free Larson. That's a great choice. Great <laughs> choice. Um, I, I'm gonna ask quickly, but do you have a favorite song at the moment? I have too many. Like I have like three or four that I'm always juggling from, but uh, in the moment right now. Um, it's called "Rooted" by Aisha Badru. Um. And I've actually set it as my alarm. So when I wake up, it's like this really soft um, song. And the words are like, um, plant your feet upon the earth, know your power, know your worth. Um, And I start my day to it every day. Wow. I had to take notes on that one. (laughs) You're going to be looking that one up. Uh, okay, just a couple more. Um, if we're sitting here a year from now celebrating what a great 12 months it's been for you in this life, what does it look like? Just a little bit, just a little bit. We, we just shared so much. So just let's keep this a little bit simple. My, uh, my new book is just coming out. Um, it's like taking the world by storm. And I've broken out into um, more speaking gigs about FASD, and I'm getting paid for it. Good. Love and I'm making I'm making um, a living to support myself. Right. Um, what would you do in the event of a zombie apocalypse? Oh my god, this shit terrifies me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I was just telling my friend the other day there's this new show called like The Last of Us Last and it's like us, yeah. popular right now. I got three minutes in and I was like, this is hitting too close to home. <laughs> I'm gonna turn this off. Um, um, of a zombie apocalypse, I would just go find my dad and yeah. do whatever he said to do. <laughs> That's a great choice. I think I'd probably do the same thing. It'd be mom and dad, <laughs> and mom and dad. Yeah, we always go back there. Um, yeah. What was the last costume you wore? Ooh, did I dress up this year? I think I think I wore um, like a onesie, like a raccoon onesie, and did my face like a raccoon for Halloween last year. Nice. Just a couple more. Um, tell me something about you that no one knows. 
So there's nobody listening here, family, nothing. No one knows. Um, my, my comfort food from childhood is a can of Campbell's chicken noodle soup with like a whole sleeve of um, soda crackers crushed up into it so that it's like not so much soup as it is just like cracker mush. Um, and even at age 33, I still eat it like that. <laughs> is it a Newfoundland thing? <laughs> yeah, it's a me thing. It's a me. I went to I went to Marie's Mini Mart for those of you that are listening in Germany, <laughs> and because this is a global podcast, I went to Marie's Mini Mart and and just picked up a can the other day, and I love it. I just I, I crunch up the. This was not discussed uh, prior to correct correct. <laughs> I literally, oh no, God. I literally, you asked me that question and I had to look around my apartment to see. Oh and then I saw the crackers and I was like, yeah, that's my, like, my guilty shame oh food. My. Wow, wow. And boy, is there some salt in that. Um, There's no nutrition to that meal. There's absolutely none. Um, we we got to stop it before my cheeks start to hurt too much more. Uh, what are you, what are you the most proud of? This journey, the the mm. fact that I'm still going when I thought my life would be over. Shannon, I said a little earlier that there were some words that resonated with me, and um, I wrote them down as I was listening. And I just believe that you're a professor of purpose, and um, I cannot thank you enough for being here today. Um, I am incredibly blessed. I say this so many times, but um, uh, this, I don't say this so many times. I say that I'm blessed uh, to be on this journey, but I will say this is the most powerful conversation that we have had yet today. And I hope that we can continue to have these as well. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you, Steve. Thank you.